another episode of the Hoop Journal Podcast. I'm joined once again by my main man, Mitch, from Hoop Size Section. Mr. Cider, how are we doing today? Hey, what it do? Ready for the the best finale of the NBA season coming up. Yeah, 20 games left of the season. Um, I, I've been seeing a lot of people say it's like the second half of the season. We're, We're well, well past, past that point. <laughs> We're, the final We're at the stretcher. end of the season. Yeah, about 20 games left, I guess, depending on which team you are, but uh, we're at that point now where I think it's time to really take a, a deep dive uh, look at the awards races because a lot of them are pretty cut and dry in terms of who the candidates are. Uh, but I think there's a lot of discussion still left to be had in terms of where you're going to place guys on your ballot. So uh, I wanted to bring on Mitch to go through all of the awards and we'll touch on um, all six of them. We'll get to MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved, Six Man and Coach of the Year. Uh, we could talk a little bit about like some All-NBA or you know, like the all rookie teams, stuff like that. But yeah, um, I want to highlight those six awards primarily. And let's let's kick it off with MVP. So on my ballot, I have like a clear five names that are within like three sort of tiers. Like there's clear separation. Okay. All right. So I'll start I'll start at five. I have Tatum and Embiid, Tatum at five, Embiid at four. Um, those Ooh. are like the two guys that I think have like outside chances. Because there's really outside of this this five that I'm about to name, I think the other three are obvious. Um, I don't really see anyone that has a strong case unless something really changes. Um, you know, yeah, like but at like that point, I don't know if there's any, like we're already this far in. I don't know if anybody slipping into the top five matters, right? Yeah, right. I I don't think there's going to be much movement. Like I think Durant had a case until he missed as many games as he did, and also I don't think you can be the MVP if you get traded. But um, <laughs> yeah, to a t- to a team that's just gonna carry you at this point, like yeah, yeah, I feel that. So I do, th- I do think this five is gonna be the five that should be on most people's ballots. Um, I think Embiid has a slight edge over Tatum, just I think he's having the better like statistical season. Um, and he has less support around him. Like I, I think Tatum's MVP case was strong at the beginning of the season, but he's he actually hasn't been great the last few games, and his supporting cast has been fantastic all season. Yeah, dude, so I feel his, like that kind like, of hurts his case. Yeah, Derek White's been juiced. Malcolm yeah, Derek White winning been player fucking of the week, insane. I feel like too. really knocked Tatum probably out of like the top. Everyone's three. like, "Oh, Celtics players player of the week," and they're like, "What? Wait, De- Derek White? What? Derek White?" Um, and everybody yeah, so being I like, think... "We traded a first for Derek White." Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, you did. Yeah, I, I was there. I was there. Um, so I think yeah, Embiid has a slight edge over Tatum at this point, and then I think Luca has a pretty significant edge over both of those guys. Luca would be third on my ballot. Um, oh. but I think he, I think he falls short of Jokic and Giannis. Like those are like the one A one B for me. Um, it, I do have Jokic first as of right now. Um, but Giannis is, you know, well within range of surpassing him. So w- what are your thoughts on that? First of all, well, okay. Do you, do you so think I, those five are like the top five. I agree with the top five, but I actually have a much uh, different placement mm. than you do. Okay. okay. Um, so I've got, I've got Tatum five and Embiid fourth obviously because i do think that and be yeah like it's 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 just the 33 10 and 5 or 4 or whatever he's putting up that just is like so eye-popping that you kind of got to be like oh shit okay but um i actually have lucas second and Giannis third because i think the the time that Giannis is going to miss and has missed is enough to have him leapfrogged because he's gonna miss the next three or two games or whatever it is I think it's enough for people, especially in like the recency bias kind of community that are like seeing Kyrie and Luca mesh that are going to be like, oh, Luca's back up there. White boy can hoop. Um, 
I also disagree with the leap. I think like I know this is not like a like a, a, a actual fallacy of any point, but I think Luca or I think Jokic kind of has it stowed away at this point. I think he's the yeah, first seed it, in the it feels West. Like he's... that, like especially after the the Bontem straw poll, like it feels like he's definitely the the heavy favorite. I mean, I made a post about it, but I do feel like he's not that far ahead of of Giannis and even even Luca. But it does, yeah, he's definitely like the the runaway favorite right now. Yeah, so he's, it's 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 funny because like, there's just some oh man, they've got like they've got the best home record in the NBA right now. They like first seed. He's leading in all these ridiculous advanced stats. I don't really care much about those ones because yes, Jokic is going to be that guy. Like we're aware of his impact, but it's also like he's 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 doing this and it doesn't. You know when somebody looks like they're really gunning for something and they're like just mm-hmm. going out every night. He's doing this and it kind of looks like it's nonchalant right now. Like it doesn't yeah. look like it looks like he's like, all right, I'm poised for a deep playoff run. I'm not really caring about like he, my he MVP has had a couple of nights I've noticed um, that I've seen other people point out like where he like hunts that 10th assist. I, I've seen him do that a couple of times and then he checks out of the game. I think but, what he's. I think he also cares about. Uh, so like that will. Yeah, I'm not mad about. A, it. I'm honestly, I'm not mad about. Yeah, it. they're they're undefeated when he gets a triple double. Like oh, I, still are they still like twenty one and zero or something? 21, yeah, twenty one. Yeah, yeah, I knew it was something around the twenties, but um, that's the thing. He's uh, I think he also understands that like legacy wise, he's got the opportunity to finish really high up there. Mm-hmm. And I think I think as a player, he is like looking at all these people talking about. Oh, voter fatigue, or does he deserve it? Blah blah blah. I think in recent times, voter fatigue has become less and less apparent because uh, we've really got to this point where we've sort of like diminished the value of like jaw dropping stat lines, and now care more about like visually what are they doing and are they winning? Because for a while there, it was like, yeah, Giannis is putting up monster lines, so obviously it's going to be him, and you know, Giannis is pulling down a fifty. 25 game and it's like yeah it's great but now i think we're like because Jokic is not scoring at an amazing clip i think it's only 25 or something around there this season um i think now we're more like captivated by his game more than ever because it's like 25 11 and 10 or something i think he's putting up this year and that's like and 13 think, board or 12 or 13 board. oh it's 12 or 13 now okay um that's what i'm saying like i think we're captivated by that like because for a while there we were like, oh, triple doubles, whatever. Russ gets them all the time, but now Jokic is getting them. We're like, whoa, whoa triple it's doubles a little, by a big but man. Here's the thing, though. It's not. It's not triple doubles on a uh, league leading usage. No, it's with on four or five turnovers a game on it's, like a six or seven seed. Yeah, Jokic is averaging a triple double, shooting like sixty three percent from the field on the best team in the West. And, and he's got. They're undefeated when he has triple double. I was gonna like, say he's also leading the league in true shooting. I think, which is the most ridiculous to have. Yeah, he's like he's like fifth or sixth on like that, but he's right behind yeah, like Daniel have... Gafford and like yeah, right guys who ball. like do not even close to have the offensive production that he does. So the fact that he's doing that while also being so efficient is just like mind boggling. And I think that's where people are actually like coming to realize that it's like oh he's doing these and and like actually contributes to winning instead of just you know being a sixth seed somewhere and grabbing that just because you averaged a triple double. Ooh, it's a little sneak this mm. out there. For the new yeah. Clipper in town. So you got you got Luca over Giannis though. I do. I just think that like Giannis is like. Don't get me wrong. Like they're interchangeable because like Giannis is still 32, 12, and five or something. And I think I'm. Don't quote me. Luca is thirty four, eight, and eight, something around there. Um, 
I, I don't know if he still up to thirty four, but yeah, it is like something like that. Somewhere around there. So like, I I still think like they're interchangeable, but I think I'll I'll give Luca the edge just as the winds start rolling in because I do think he's gonna go. Are they though? Home. That's the second time you, you you said that now because I honestly I'm watching Mavs Lakers right now and two forty five to play. Mavs are up too, but I honestly I'm starting to feel like the Mavs got worse. Like as good as Kyrie has been for the Mavericks, I feel like this team is not as good as they were three weeks ago. I think they're going to be short term worse, obviously, because they're still like I. I think the whole idea of this... as the winds start rolling in, I honestly like I worry about the Mavs. Like they're, they're probably going to be in the plan. They play the Pacers next, then the Sixers, then the Suns, then the Jazz. Wait, actually, wait, do they play the Suns on the KD debut or no? Um, I think they had announced like a KD return date, and then I heard that that actually wasn't going to be it. So I'm not sure when he's coming back 100. percent Anyway, either way, they've got enough of like a. Like a a couple more, I'd say. Like like they could definitely dust the Pacers and the Jazz, and and I would I don't want to diss the Grizzlies because I have a lot of faith in Memphis. They've just looked kind of flat lately, despite the winning. Like I, they're just a yeah. team where I'm like, the it just feels like their energy is not in the building. Yeah, they've lost they've lost something. I think it's a combination of whatever the whatever the fuck happened with the Shannon Sharp thing. Like that definitely something happened. Yeah, the and, I, and then I, I think losing Steven Adams has been huge too. Yeah, I think Moran's little, the little uh, Indiana laser sight thing was a little mm, interesting yeah, story to come out. Yeah, that doesn't help either. But um, like I mean, like I'm, I'm I think also hold on, very... also just Dylan Brooks being terrible. I want to throw that in. Him Why does he? Absolutely. I, I don't want to be season. this guy. I don't want to be a, a a a negative Nancy or a Debbie Downer. Why does he still start? What should the starting line be? I. Th- Think they should can his ass. Tra- they should have traded him. But I honestly, I would. Oh man, you're gonna hate me for this. I would do like Morant, Bain, Canard, or like Ooh. some other weird like like I dude. It just doesn't make any sense. It like puts Dylan a lot of pressure Brooks, on Jaren. If you, if you're running two small wings out there next to Jaw, like you're putting a lot of pressure on. Yeah, Jaren. Concar is only like six five, six four anyway. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's like yeah. slightly better defensively than Canard, but. Yeah, but like, dude, Dylan Brooks. The only thing he does is bring hustle on the defensive end. Yeah, he like can't, he just he's he, the... his his jump shots disappeared. He can't create. He can't pass. I don't know what's going on. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and, I don't know. I mean, it's and, one thing to stick with your guys, but yeah, he's been he's been pretty bad this season. I'm not really yeah. sure what's up with that. I don't know what I remember. Like, this is circa a year ago, or like just like really early in the last season, where people were doing the Gary Trent Jr. or Dylan Brooks debate, and I was like, what does Dylan Brooks do? What does what does he do better than Gary uh, when when Dylan Brooks is hitting shots like he's yeah a when is when has he been hitting shots not this season not this and, season and and like like literally uh, you you uh, you can flash back to the last forty games of last season and it was disappearing it, like his mm. jump shot was absolutely abysmal he's he is this oh my god the last ten games he is putting up thirty four twenty five and oh he's hitting free throws but thirty four percent from the field and twenty five percent from three that is a Abysmal for a guy who's supposed to be like a spark plug scoring option for you. I also Desmond Bain cooled off so quick into the season that yeah, like the he, injury really not like he, derailed the season, but yeah, but definitely. he started so hot yeah. and then just like mellowed out. And I don't know what I still think he's been but, good. Um, he's good. He like he's been but, he's been better than I predicted him to be. Yeah, he's still been he's still taking a step up from last season for sure. Yeah. Um, let's get back to MVP though. To just to sort of wrap that up quickly yeah i think Jokic, he should be number one on on basically everyone's ballot like i feel like there's a lot of not a lot of people but the people who do 
sort of ride for Embiid or riding really hard for him to to win this year. Yeah, um, I think they're riding for him just for the sake of it not being Jokic, though. Right. Like, I feel yeah. like the the hardcore Philly fans are like, uh, you're going to give it to him again? Uh, What about this other center? You know, it's like, dude, listen, if, if Embiid generally wanted to be like, I think Embiid at this point is like sort of also sick of the media because like I've, he's made some like really sly comments like, mm-hmm. what else do I got to do, man? It's like, well, you know, win. And be better, <laughs> but you know. Yeah, make it past the second round would help. But uh, actually, I want to do a quick thing on the Sixers real quick because um, sure. I was listening to um, I can't remember some pod earlier talking about like because James Harden could be a free agent this summer. So say the Sixers do lose in the second round again, and Harden says he you know he has two points in the second half of of Game Seven, <laughs> and he goes, well, you know, the Bosch didn't find me. And he's out and he goes back to Houston or something. Like, this could be the end for the Sixers. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of pressure. And I think well, a you lot don't, of different you don't teams. Think, but... You don't think Maxi, D'Anthony, Melton, Tobias, Harris, PJ, and Embiid is... A... No, I'm just fucking with you. Of course it's not. If they lose Harden, it's fucking game over for what for what they went into this with. Because they knew getting Harden would mean your window is, like... Immediate. Win yeah. now. Immediately win now. And I do not think you'll find another like quality but like like you 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 grabbed debate and i'll say this debatably you grabbed debatably the best backup guard in d'anthony melton last year mm-hmm. i will say yeah. and then now you're gonna like you 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 got jalen mcdaniels and pj you you acquired the perfect supporting cast for what you had going and if you don't at least at least pull out an eastern conference finals appearance out of that within your tenure of trying to tell Harden, looking man like sign like we'll get you back then you've wasted so much of your time and then what do you what does Embiid do at that point He's yeah I, I, that's what i'm saying is i think Embiid's gone if Harden leaves i think Embiid is not far behind so this is like a, this is a huge run for the, for the sixers and i don't have any faith in them like how can you have any faith in this team um i think maxi also is probably super pissed because he was given so much freedom and so much like responsibility and then had it like yanked away from him yeah. as he's moved back to the bench, which is kind of super weird. Um, I also think that they like low key aren't like, are sort of like miss you. I mean, I get it. Tobias Harris is a, a certified bum certified scrub, but I feel like they're like sort of misutilizing the, these lineups. Um, I will never like in the entirety of my life, trust Embiid in a in a in like a fully healthy game seven i just can't do that like like yeah he's not he has, he's gonna have some sort of and it'll be some sort of like bad luck thing it won't even probably be like a durability thing he'll just and the other thing that like really really worries me is they are actively being commanded by doc rivers yeah and, that's that's at and, the head of it all for me and i honestly like as and, and you know what johnny johnny schmidt forgive me for saying this <laughs> but you will you will go down as like not as fraudulent as the Nets, but pretty damn close if you let Harden and Embiid get away from you as a franchise. That yeah. would just be a ludicrous misstep by your franchise. Yeah, I think it, it all rides on whether or not Harden stays. Because if he does stay and then say they're able to like flip Tobias Harris into like a couple of useful role players. And then they really surround their, you know, their two stars with a bunch yeah, of talent. Starts, and like, you know, play Mac McLungmore, you know. So yeah, right, 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 exactly. Um, 
Trey Cortez, so, like yeah, he asked for it, and you guys were like, "No, fuck you," and it's like, what? <laughs> Which is like, I think that's like the third or fourth time Quirk Moss has requested a trade too, and they just said no. I can't believe that they were like, hmm, yeah, we hear you, we understand you. Uh, no, you will stay on here and you will win a championship. They made it. a trade too, which is crazy. You would think like they would want to get him out of there. You know what I mean? Just to get rid of someone who doesn't want to be there yeah. at the very least. But yeah, no, he's still there. Um, So yeah, big offseason for, or, I mean, big uh, postseason for the Sixers for sure. Uh, let's move to let's move to defensive player of the year. That's the one I think I'm most interested in. Um, this right. one does not have a clear cut, you know, front runner. I think most of these other awards do. Um, so I'll let you go first with this one. You can start, you know, however, however you want to present it. All right. So rounding out my top three, <laughs> um, I've got the Time Lord number three, Robert Williams, who I edged out. Oh yeah? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, so here's I got some numbers for you. All right, I like this list so, already. So, um, it's he's not oh, man. It's the problem is his health. That's my problem. It's like he just yeah, it's, isn't it's on the, the floor now. Anyways, um, and I hate doing this because Feed was right about comparing defensive ratings. But anyways, with him off the floor, uh, it's one ten point nine. With him on the floor, it's one hundred four point eight. Oh wow! Among anybody. Is that since he came back, or is that the Celtics' whole season with him off? That's the floor? with him on the floor for the whole, like with him off and Wait. on the whole season. But the this is, is only for the whole season. Only the games where he's been available and playing. Okay. Okay. So, right. Yeah. Um, out of any of the players who have, uh, it's it's something like disruptive attempts or like a, attempted shots blocked or whatever. His it's like minus eight percent. Oh, like contested he, he, shots. Like yeah, contested shots. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, so he he like players are eight percent less effective when he's guarded them. And for all the um, non nerds out there, eight percent is a pretty big swing. It is, it is. Yeah. Um, the thing, the only reason I only have like I I think he beats out Bam and OG for me. Like I had I had OG around that four or five area. Mm-hmm. Um, but Robert Williams just like having the ability to be a presence on the floor and then just immediately impact like he had that 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 kind of rudy like intimidation factor going for a little bit uh it's just he can't stay healthy man like he would be such like he would literally be your starting center for the next five years if he was just healthy yeah he that's the Um, reason why i didn't consider him on my ballot it's just like the the minutes played i think he's been like one of the five best defenders when he's on the court but um and we'll see like there's still 20 games like he i I don't know like i haven't really because the nba doesn't they have some restrictions, but I I don't really know exactly where I want to draw the line in terms of like games played, minutes played. Yeah. He could end up like being like a top five guy, but I didn't have him on my ballot. But who who rounds out your top three? This is where things are gonna get controversial, and I know people are gonna be angry. I have Triple J at two, not number one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that bothers me the most is the fouling out. Yeah, because that's a he does that issue. so fucking much. He's played. It I think that game in Boston he played 19 minutes before fouling out, Jeez. which was absolutely ridiculous. Um, he's scoring a little better. Uh, that little controversy of of like them recording blocks and and steals is like <laughs> more than they actually were was funny. Um, but no defensive player winner, a Depoy winner, has ever averaged as few minutes as Jackson has. Wow! Not a single player in the history of the award. Yeah, he's at what like 26. 26 minutes a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the thing about him fouling out. It's not. It's not even like he's playing thirty six minutes and he fouls out like late in the fourth. Like he'll play like no. twenty four minutes oftentimes and get six yeah. fouls. It's it's ridiculous. 
So uh, earlier in January, he was fouling like 2.9 per game. Now it's up to 3.8, almost to 4. He was fourth in defensive rating. Now he's down to 10th. Um, the whole idea, though, is that he's still like that aggression just pays dividends when he's not fouling out, though. Yeah, he's like, swallowing he, up shots. He is swallowing up shots, deterring guys at the rim. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, though, I've got Splash Mountain, Brooke Lopez, number mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's contesting the most shots in the league, I think. Second to or Nick Claxton trails him, but it's like ridiculous. He's I think Lopez is contesting. So, yeah, he's contesting seventeen a night. Claxton's only contesting twelve. So mm-hmm. it okay. is just. Bam. He's averaging two and a half blocks still, which is hilarious that he's he's spacing the floor so well, scoring so well, rebounding so well. And now he's also blocking two and a half shots a game, which is just hilarious. Um, Like, I feel like I've already talked about this on this pod, but just the complete evolution from being like this post scorer who doesn't defend in Brooklyn with like all mid range and like in the post to now being like a three and D center. Yeah, just a three and D center who is also capable of going off for like tw- like yeah, but still has the off the dribble like, every so often. Yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy. Like I like he's been, and I'll, I'll say this again, he's been low key the biggest fantasy pickup of all time for me for this season. <laughs> like he's had games where he's got like 22, 15, 33 and ten, twenty two and fifteen. Like yeah. he's just such a like. I honestly think, and I don't mean to like. Like I, I, I'm just gonna talk, say this out of my neck real quick. With Middleton being so, like, hurt and inconsistent, Lopez is definitely the third man for this Milwaukee team. It's crazy. Yeah, he's been their third best player this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think Middleton still is their third best player, but yeah, yeah, Middleton, yeah. Middleton's like just now starting to get back to form. So, well, that would be definitely like it. it kind of dips off like after you go like four and five because like Caruso kinda like he's tied for deflections and stuff but like i don't really nick claxton like yeah he was really good but now he kind of has fallen off i don't care about herb jones because like he's like that's not up there yeah yeah so i had i i do have jordan jackson first and lopez second but it was i was going back and forth for a while um i honestly i think i let the the consensus kind of sway me into picking jaron first but um, it's it's those two guys for me, and then everyone else. Um, but there are a lot of guys I think worth considering, like at least to be on the ballot, like all defensive first team conversation. Like I yeah. had Bam, I had Bam third. Um, I think you got to throw Miles Turner in there. Uh, your boy OG. I don't know about Miles Turner. I think like Revelation lately, yeah, but like just in terms of a general thing, he's been more of like that dude where the 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 flash is much more than the actual like substance because like he was still getting like beat off the dribble a lot he was like over committing to closeouts and stuff like just from like me watching him i was like yeah you're not my depoy like, that's fair yeah i don't I don't think he's in the conversation to win the award but um on the ladder i, I yeah. think i think the like this the defensive output i think has been enough to like put him in consideration yeah on the ladder like you said yeah um and then like mikhail and og you guys considered um as much as i was like for Marcus Smart obviously winning last year, I think it's really hard for a non-big to win it. Um, but I do think Mikael and OG are like the best non-bigs for this award. Um, yeah. I think Gobert, Gobert was not that good like the start of the season for his standards, but you look at like his whole year, I think he's had not not quite on par with his past defense player of the year seasons, but I think he's been really good and I think he deserves at least to have his name mentioned. 
Yeah, I'd put them at like the bottom of that list, but that's probably like where I'd draw that line. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's uh, that's why I wrapped up with uh with Gobert. I think it's probably like the last guy you consider. Yeah. Shout out to Marcus Smart though, but he's not he's not going back to back. Dude, yeah, dude's got the energy, but I don't think I think as a guard it'd be like impossible nowadays to go back to back. Yeah, and I mean Smart, I mean. I think we understand why he won it last year. And like, he's, it's not like he's had like a drop off defensively, but uh, he's taken on a pretty big offensive load to where he's not really like, same with like when, not that I'm comparing Marcus Smart to Kawhi Leonard, but when Kawhi broke out into a star after winning defensive player of the year, took on a much bigger offensive load, just not the same defensive player. Yeah. I think well, Marcus had, Smart had in some ways divert energy to somewhere else kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Marcus Martin, in a lot of ways, I think has done that this season. So, He's not in the conversation. Shout out to him, though. All right, so let's jump to uh, the Rookie of the Year conversation. This one, I think, will be a rather short conversation at the top, but there are a lot of rookies that I want to highlight here. So obviously, Paolo is the runaway favorite. Um, I'll just jump to this right away. Do you think that there's any case to be made, like there's any wiggle room for someone else to take the award from him, or does he have it wrapped up already? I think unless we see an absolutely stupendous last final stretch from Matherin or Kessler. I think it's like it, it's, it's Bancaro's award to lose is how I'll word that. I think he's got everything gunning for him. I think everybody like aside from an absolute masterclass from Jalen Williams, I think that this, this award is all but spoken for, for Bancaro. Yeah, definitely his award to lose. Um, and I think I think there is a window for Matherin if he starts to get a little bit more opportunity to, to close out the season and he like really takes a step up with those extra minutes or maybe finally becoming a starter. Um, but yeah, other than that, like it's it's Paolo's award. He's clearly the best rookie. Um, very interested to see what Chet's gonna look like next year. Those can be weird that he's gonna be part of next year's like he's gonna be battling like Wembenyama for rookie of the year, which is gonna feel weird. But um, I, I like it's pretty clear like Paolo's the best player from this class. Yeah, I think it's not really a debate that he's solidified himself as the best player of this class. I think there's some names that are like coming up in your life, like like some pleasant surprises. Like, first of all, Jalen Williams on OKC has been a stud. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, that's been a surprise for me. Like I, I, I knew right out of the gate that dude was going to be like a really lively and bouncy and energetic guy for him. But like, man, he is a first of all a steel machine. The dude's got like glove hands. It's ridiculous. Walker Kessler. I said it from the day one, and everybody doubted me. And then I'm like, look, he's better Gobert. Like it's just hilarious that they trade, <laughs> fucking traded away all of that just for have just just like honestly, could you imagine if Walker Kessler was given the same kind of run next to a guy like Cat, who because right now he's playing against like playing next to Markkinen, who I will now say is better than Carl Anthony Towns. But similarly in the Whoa. ability. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll say it. I don't even, okay, I don't hate that take. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Yeah, you don't hate that take because it's a, it's a, it's I don't really like Towns that substance. much. But whoa, that's going to, wow, that's going to shock some people listening. That's why you bring me on here. I know, I know. Yeah. Anyways, but like similar in archetype and like offensive makeup, like they're guys who like play very i'm not going to say that they have the same makeup but like it, it's a it's another player where you could be like oh kessler would be great with him as well so it's the fact that they put so much into trading for gobert when they had they just drafted the better version of him and younger and cheaper duran oh my god i love me some jalen duran mm. 
He's Woo! really good. Yeah. Detroit may have seven starting centers, but man, <laughs> I love Jalen Duran. Also, now Jaden Ivey. Love, love how twitchy and fast he is. Keegan Murray, love him. Haha. <laughs> hate Jabari Smith Jr. The dude is wasting his time in Houston. Can't believe they drafted him to make him look like that. Sohan. Love Sohan. Um, Kind of weird that he's a spur. It still feels weird that he's a spur to me. Wow. Um, yeah, I think it makes sense. It makes sense, but I also don't feel like I, like I would just love to see him on like a team that is like really hell. Because like the moment they get Wemby, like what, Sohan's on the back burner, man. Like, no, I, I think they could play together. I think I don't I think I don't think Wemby I don't think Wemby comes in being a five just with like how much and sorry I'm having a stroke uh, I don't think Wemby comes in and like just I don't think he disrupts anything in the Spurs culture and this is wow I'm already predicting that he's a, a Spurs <laughs> this is hilarious um, but I don't know I like Sohan on like the Raptors you know be oh cool. yeah yeah, yeah right. um anyways oh my God love Mark Williams too I can't believe yeah it's Mark a- Williams is just now finally getting run but he's been it, so good it took. It took only to the end of the season. It's for so ridiculous that he league. wasn't. The fact that he wasn't their day one starter is so stupid. I understand. This is a bad Plumlee, team. Yeah, but I understand Plumley like. You understand Plumley what? Hold on, hold on. You understand Plumley what? Explain. I understand Plumley having the spot to start the season, but Mark Williams like ten games in should have took it from him. Like that's that's how it should have been. Um, I'm a little disappointed in guys like Terry Eason who haven't had the run that I thought Houston would give him. Um, like, I've liked Eason. I mean, given the circumstances, like I feel like it's hard to take away anything from what the hell the Rockets got going on. But I feel like yeah, but I feel like he could he could be such a bigger part of what's going on with them. Yeah. Um, Shaden Sharp is having a way better season than I thought he would mm. because yeah, been... the, there's been injuries. I get it. Um, but um, no, the immediate impact has definitely been surprising. Yeah. And also, Branham coming out of nowhere for San Antonio, like. This dude is a certified bucket getter, and nobody like I love how everybody was just like, "Who, <laughs> who is this guy going off for random thirty dubs?" Like it's just. He, I mean, he's been. I've only seen like, like I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I don't tune into live Spurs games, but I did see like the compilations of like him in the game. You know what I mean? Like his possessions. He's yeah. pretty stinky on defense, like pretty fucking bad. He's less than a pylon, I'd say, but um, I think it has to do more with like the up and down of the NBA because yeah, he's not adjusted physically. I think he's still got like a lot of like, like that. I think the motor's not there either, but I think he's just a really like offensively. He's a really like, yeah, very talented scorer. Yeah. Yeah. Now that was obvious at Ohio state too. How do we get this far though? You're talking about Malachi Brennan, but we didn't bring up AJ Griffin. Uh, because I think the Hawks are a dumpster fire. I like AJ Griffin. I really do. I love everything about his game because he reminds me a lot uh, he he just sort of reminds me of that new generation of wings where they're they're leaner and they got more wiggle, but they're much more smooth scorers. Like mm-hmm. AJ Griffin, I think unfortunately he might not get as much run as he like is capable of in Atlanta. I don't know why they got Sadiq Bay. That seems like a really weird. Like you're grabbing another wing when you already have like you just drafted a young wing who should potentially be taking more time, and they still have Jalen Johnson too, which is like it's a head scratcher for me because I'm like, why would you go out and trade these seconds for Sadiq Bay when you have, I don't mean to diss, but a superior guy on your bench that you were giving a lot of run for. And then you're not like, it's really confusing to me. Yeah. And that's a really confusing. System. Yeah. They're they're They got a, they're a mess right now to be quite honest. I mean, they just fired their coach. I like the Quinn Snyder hire for what it's worth, but um, yeah, no, they're a mess right now. 
Um, I thought it was a weird fit to add Sadiq Bay to that team, but I think it's just, you know, just a high value add. I mean, five second round picks and like Justin Holiday, like who cares? You know, Sadiq Bay is a good player in my mind. Yeah, I mean, like I, I honestly thought he should have gotten more run in Detroit because when he Yeah, did, I was surprised that the Pistons gave up on him. And for James yeah. Wiseman, of all people. Yeah. I didn't like my other thing is is like I think at some point DeAndre Hunter sort of outlives his role mm-hmm. on like outgrows it because like I don't know what the Hawks makeup is gonna be next year because Okonwu is gonna be better than Capella. John Collins, unless Quinn Snyder turns him around somehow, he's gonna be the worst contract in the NBA, one of. Um okay. DeAndre DeAndre Hunter is gonna out like outgrow his wiggle room here. So then you gotta like are you playing Griffin Bay and Okonwu or Jalen Johnson and Griffin? Like what are you doing there for your forwards and your wings like i don't know it's weird i also as as much as you know the hawks are like haha stinky hawks like i i kind of think Dejounte murray is also like outplaying what he should be doing like he's he's doing a lot of things where i'm just like man like i'm really impressed with not just the facilitating but like the scoring and everything it's like fantastic i just don't like it just feels like something's off. Like something something just does not sit right with me watching this Hawks team. And I think it might be because I'm watching the Hawks play. And I should <laughs> yeah, be. That, yeah, but, that was your first mistake. But yeah, I agree. I think DeJounte has been like everything they could have anticipated when they made that trade. Um, and he, like he's played really well off of Trey. I don't feel like Trey has played well off of DeJounte, which was no, my I, concern when they made that trade. Is like Trey seemingly only knows how to play one way. And I hate to break it to him, but it's not winning basketball. Like you can win like in any individual game playing the way that he plays, but you're not gonna have a very good team playing like that. So he yeah. needs to be able to adjust to playing off of Trey. I think that is at like it's not like maybe their biggest issue, like most pressing immediate thing, but like overarching, like that's what needs to change with this team. Yeah. I would say too, I know there was like some I I, I can't remember if it was a BR or like a Bill Simmons kind of thing where they were like they might explore trading Trey Young in the offseason just to see what the market is. I don't think that's even remotely true because like he's no, I don't think that's still true. your franchise centerpiece. But I wouldn't be against a- it. I wouldn't be against it. I gotta be honest. I don't know what the market would be, but if you can get one of those superstar esque, you know, all the picks plus swaps type packages for Trey Young, I would like and you get like plus like a an actual like player out of it. I think it's a phone call I would make. What? Like OG and a bunch of firsts and Boucher, you know, like, you know, I think, you know, Raptors have the personnel to cover his uh, defensive shortcomings and they could use the scoring and the assist. I'm just kidding. Could you imagine? I think Trey Young on the Raptors. Yeah. Worst, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would do Fred Van Vliet, but... you know what I'm saying? Stamp that, book it, <laughs> flip it, Fred send Van it Vliet. in. <laughs> no, but I think like, Worst I'm not. Hairline Van Vliet. I'm not <laughs> I'm not very high on Trey Young, honestly, as a franchise player. Um, like I think he, he's got a lot of talent, but I gotta see something change in the way that he like approaches the game before I would really buy in, in him as like being a franchise player. I just don't think he's that guy. Like he can do it in terms of like the marketability aspect. Like he can sell the jerseys, he can sell the tickets, but I don't think Trey Young's ever leading a team to like a deep playoff run or like, you know, long time playoff success. Until unless he starts to play a different way. True. Like just just humor me for a second. Mm. Would you rather Fox or Trey Young this season? Yeah, yeah you gotta think about it's it, right? A thinker, you gotta, it's a thinker. You gotta, you gotta be like oh. I wanna say Fox though, 
I feel like I shouldn't, but like I want to say Fox because they've been a much better team. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Fox. Yeah, you know Fox. The numbers would say otherwise. Yeah, I mean the numbers are a lot closer than you think. Twenty five I mean, versus twenty seven. Putting up damn near thirty and ten almost. So like twenty seven and ten. There. Twenty twenty five and six. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. But uh, one of those players is winning a lot. The other player is not. So. That's what I'm saying. And it's not like the Kings supporting cast is, you know, incredibly better than the Hawks. So bonus is better than any player on the Hawks. But like, you know, it's not like the Kings are loaded. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, that's that's one of the, the other things that I was like, I just think the Hawks are in a, like a bad spot right now. Yeah. That's just my... And it's like, if you just like add up all the talent, like just the combined talent on the team, like they should be one of the better teams in the East. A lot of of really good players. And like on paper, they seemingly fit too. So it's a weird mix. And even when I have Gall on the pod and we we try to break it down, like it's it's not really an easy answer to why this Hawks team is seemingly underperforming. Um, But I I don't know how we just went on the Hawks tangent. Oh, because AJ Griffin. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I think AJ Griffin, he was like, Probably fifth or sixth on my list. I think it's it's definitely Paolo one, Matherin two. Uh, I feel like Kessler solidified himself at the third spot. I don't know if that's like a consensus opinion. Um, Kessler and, then, and Jalen Williams, I think. Are yeah, J Dub J Dub is fourth for me for sure. Um, and I could I could see him moving up ahead of Kessler because he's been like he. I don't know what all the like advanced stats would say, but just the fact that he's seemingly been like a, a positive impact player that's pretty rare for a rookie, and is definitely not something I was expecting out of, you know, a dude from Santa Clara, you know, to go from playing in the, the West Coast Conference to the NBA on, like, a pretty solid team and, like, being yeah. a really solid contributor, like, that's definitely not what I was expecting out of him. Even though I did like him coming into the draft, I thought he was more of, like, a he breaks out in year three type of dude. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think I have him fourth. There's a lot of guys, though. Do, do, I don't know if you mentioned, do you just, like, spewed out a bunch of names? I think Keegan Murray has to be in this conversation. He's not yeah, been I had as good him, in the second half. but I had him around six or seven. I think the efficiency that Keegan Murray is like has right out of the gate as a rookie is uncanny. Yeah, he's shooting over 40% from three, which is, yeah. like, pretty high volume, too. I don't know what the number is, but. I think five attempts a game, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's putting them up, and he's knocking them down. Um, He, like, I I think i kind of got to eat shit because i was one of the people that was clowning the kings for not even necessarily not taking ivy just taking keegan at four yeah to take keegan at four when like why couldn't they have moved back to five or six for a team that wanted ivy you know what i mean i just felt he was poor asset management but i mean keegan has been fantastic he's going to be a core piece of their team for the next 10 years you know what i mean so that worked out for them i think he's been really good i don't know how much more of a ceiling he has feel like he's like close to being a finished product at this point but he's been really good so he deserves a mention too yeah i mean i honestly like when he was when he was picked up and like into the summer league i told everybody like i was like listen man this this is the thing they didn't want another rehash of like putting yeah, a, a younger guard next yeah putting a young guard next to fox waiting for that guy to get into his prime or Stylistically, it might not even work because Ivy is a really high octane guy too. Ivy would have so, if Ivy was on the Fox. If, oh my god! If Ivy was on the Kings instead of Keegan, they would not be anywhere near the three seed, in my opinion. No, and that's the other thing. Keegan does a lot of the little things that you you don't ask of a rookie, but it's hilarious that he does them. Yeah, like I I honestly also think that Murray's defense, like as it gets better and more like home, like as he gets used to how springy other guys are. Yeah. Um. Because the other thing is, he he looks genuinely uh like 
surprise at at ver- times, yeah, yeah like like verticality of some guys and he's right. like oh shit so once he gets used to that i think he'll be like a like a really like a really good 3 and D guy who you don't look as like a you're like oh man he gets like because he could go for 30 but i think you look for him as like a consistent 15 7 and 3 guy who sprays like a flamethrower when you need him to but just is a cohesive. basically like i think harrison martin's really good this season but i think keegan has like a little bit more upside than that that's kind of where i would put him at somewhere around there yeah yeah i can see that i just i'm a little more of a believer because i'm i'm like all about the told you so kind of shit so yeah that's fair yeah i had i mean i had keegan i want to say he was like seven or eight on my final draft board but um he's definitely already surpassed my expectations for him so that's good to see um i think uh I think that's all I wanted to bring up for rookie of the year. Is there other guys worth mentioning just as an honorable mention? I didn't say much. I kind of let you go on Sohan. Sohan has been very good. I'm very intrigued with what he might be because I thought he was going to be all defense for like the first few years of his career. He had like a 30 point game the other night. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got more faith in Sohan becoming. See, I also, when I projected him to go to OKC in one of the mock trade things that i was talking about um the other half of my brain was just like man it would actually be so dope if they got chet and then sohan because then you you've you've already rounded out your starting five because i i i was like he's he's a starting like on any of these rebuilding teams he's the perfect glue guy and then his upside is going to be so much more than that and it's funny because Everybody talks about man, he's got like no scoring touch. It's like dude's been railing middies and threes. Like it's hilarious lately. I think I think when the culture change happens in San Antonio, which it's going to, he's going to be one of those guys who benefits a lot from people just overlooking what he can mm-hmm. do. Uh, because I don't know if you've known know this or because you don't. You know, I, I'm one of the very few that tunes into Spurs games. He's played the one a lot in these past couple games in some stints, like, like major ball handling responsibility. And is is a very good and interesting kind of sight to see because the assist numbers aren't there, but it's like, he's got those like hockey assists where he's yeah. like the pass that leads to a pass. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a smart player overall for sure. So definitely something I liked about him. Um, but yeah, if he's going to start to become like a play initiator, that that could be huge for, you know, his upside. Um, and actually one more name I wanted to mention, Andrew Nemhart. He's been pretty good. I think probably the only, yeah, the only second round pick I think that we mentioned, but yeah, I don't think he's got a sh- like like in the ladder. He's uh... like I think he can make an all rookie team. He might he might make an all rookie team, but I wouldn't I, like a the top five. But just another name I think is worth an honorable mention. I mean, he's had some some breakout games, and I think he's been pretty steady, especially for you know second round rookie. Yeah, I think that little stint when Halliburton was out. And Nemhard stepped in. It was really, really good. And then he really like Yeah, that sort off. of that put his name on the map. And then he's yeah. definitely cooled off since then. But I think, you know, honestly, it doesn't take much in terms of like like as long as you're producing consistently as a rookie, like I think that puts you at least in the conversation for like an all rookie yeah. team. But yeah, I think I think we've gotten to everyone worth mentioning there. So let's move to to MIP, most improved player. Uh me and you agree with the number one spot and i would imagine like i didn't look at any betting odds or anything i would imagine he's the betting favorite laurie markinen uh this is really like this doesn't apply every single year but the most improved player is basically the the first time all-star award and laurie is definitely the best candidate um i think you can make a similar case for like a De'Aaron fox but i mean laurie markinen's been better this season 
Oh, word. I got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like Markkinen is my number one, but I got a couple. There's some names on like the one, two, or the two, three, and four spot. I don't that really, like, I have me. a list of names of guys that I just want to like shout out, but they're all honorable mentions. Like two through five or two through however many names I have. Like, I think it's clearly Laurie Markkinen. I don't really know how you make the case for anyone else, but I, I'm curious to hear who you have. Yeah, I'm not, I'm saying like, like for like that two, three, and four spot, because I think like Markkinen's got it like secured. Um, I think you got to talk about Shea. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, he's one of the like names. yeah, his he Jalen Brunson. Yep. Um, I throw Claxton in there just for the sake of having him. That's like, a, he, yeah, he was on my list. That is a good name, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's definitely um, a big jump this year. And then I would have Halliburton and Cam Thomas as well. Mm. Just those names. Okay. Cam Thomas more of like a recent revelation than an actual full year most improved thing. Yeah, because like, like he didn't really make a jump that would like have you thinking about winning that award. But it's still like yeah, I mean, know, he was stuck on the bench for the season. Yeah, yeah, he didn't really have time to prove that. But it's now people are like, oh, yeah. And with Halliburton, I'd be curious to see what the actual like statistical leap has been. But I don't feel like he's that much better than he was with the Pacers last year. Like he's, think, he's done it more. Like he's got the production. But like, I don't know. I don't feel like he's that much yeah, better than he was last year. He was really good last year. Yeah, seventeen to twenty nine assists to ten. The shooting percentages have gone up. Okay. Um, I think I think it's more of just like a visual. Th- Actually, he's regressed from three, but taking more threes, so it's whatever. I think it's just more of like the comfortability thing. Like people are like now realizing. Yeah, like, he's like oh. really taken on like the role. He was yeah. he was their best player when they traded him to Indiana, but now he's like established himself as the franchise player. So, yeah, yeah I get that. Um, kind of I guess in a similar way to how Ja won it last year. I feel like, but I don't know. He didn't really come to mind for me, but I yeah I, I see the case. I think. Uh, I want to throw Ant-Man in there. I think Anthony Edwards deserves discussion because he's he's kind of taken over as like that's his team now, especially with the cat injury. Yeah. And I think he has definitely like he is definitely a better player than he was last season. I think it's gonna be like a real disappointing thing for Cat to get back for Edward. And so like what I'm saying in this instance is like I'm pretty sure it's not like it's gonna take a long time for him to click again with Ant because Ant mm-hmm. has basically just been like, all right, I am the Minnesota Timberwolves now. This is my team. Right. And Cat coming back, who initially was the franchise centerpiece. I don't know how it's going to be in terms of like a cohesive, synergistic like fit anymore. Because it already was like a not very seamless fit, I'd say before. Like it was already like, I was already like, eh, you know, Cat. And Ant are interesting. They don't really work off. They 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 benefit from each other on the floor because they're being guarded. It doesn't have much to do with them working well off of each other. Like I haven't seen. I I also don't know if Ant's going to develop into that guy where he makes the 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 read ahead of the read. He's had a lot of like bright moments with his passing. I just don't know if he's going to get any farther than just those little blips. You know. Yeah, like the the I don't want to call them like simple reads, but like. Yeah, like you said, the read before the read. Like I get, I see what you're getting at. I don't think he's gonna be a high level playmaker, but I do think he's gonna develop into being like, you know, a full, full on, not just a number one scoring option, but like the the lead guard, like the lead creator for for a team. Yeah, he's um, if he did develop that kind of like a read beyond the one that's like directly, like when we sit at home and we watch basketball. We're like, oh, there was an opportunity to put a pass in there, or there was a pick and roll opportunity. It's the reads where you're like, there's an opportunity, and then 
you go beyond that to open up something that nobody else was looking for. Like Lonzo had a lot of those moments when he was healthy with the bulls because his look aheads and his touchdown passes were exactly that. It's mm-hmm. like, do you see the layup here? Blink and you'll miss it. Cause he gets you in that window where nobody else is going to get it to him. I don't think ants like going to get there, but if he did, then like he's boom, we're seeing an MVP level player right yeah. out of the gate kind of thing. Yeah, I think this ties into uh, the like the passing versus playmaking video that you did, but I don't want to go into like a huge tangent about it. But yeah, I won't yeah, go on. And man, I think he could honestly like I could see him being a candidate again next year. He like takes another leap yeah. and become Um But I definitely think he's he's one of the players that have you know jumped out to me as uh, being one of the most improved. A couple other names though, I think Isaiah Joe has to be in the conversation. I think anyone who goes from being like on the outskirts of the NBA, like primarily a G League player, to being like in someone's rotation. And I mean, Isaiah Joe's was, I think, second in the league in three-point percentage right now. Like, I th- I think that it's tough to win it. Like, this like the Devontae Graham case. But I definitely think uh, they should be mentioned. So Isaiah Joe was, like, that one standout guy to me from going from, like, hardly an NBA player to, like, no, this guy solidified himself. A rotation player. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's It's the idea of, like... Do you go by the statistical jump? Do you go by the the visual jump? Do you go by like the the more winning or like what have they added to the game? It's 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 hard to do that because Isaiah Joe was like you would you he was like a two K generated guy for most of his season last year, mm-hmm. and then he comes in and is like an actual piece of rotation and and like largely considered one of the better shooters in the league and like it's funny because the criteria sort of changes player to player, right? Like you sort of be like, Oh, this guy made such a big statistical jump. And you're like, well, this guy went from a fringe rotation for a fringe NBA player to a legitimate rotation player that's dependent on. So you're like, I don't know. That's why I like MIP discussion so much because there really is no parameter for what most improved means. You know, like the NBA has never set any sort of real guidelines for what this award should be. So it really leaves it open to your own interpretation, which I like. Because you could make the case for Isaiah Joe, you can make the case for Shea Gilgis Alexander, two completely different players in terms of like where they where they are in the league. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's definitely Laurie's award here. I don't really think there's a, a great case to make for someone over him. Uh, but there's a lot of guys I think that are worth noting that have made a jump. And I think maybe like a Mikhail Bridges, I think he's taken a step and we'll see what he does like in these last 20 games with the Nets. I think he's a prime candidate for next season. Um, assuming like he I don't know if it'd be like even like the number one option next season, but assuming he's like the best player on the Nets next year and he's still there. And then Bull Bull as well. I want to just shout out Bull Bull because he is a real NBA player. It was looking a little dicey there for the Bull Bull crowd, but he's, I think he's established himself. He's going to stick around. We're going to see, we're going to see six man of the year stock, the, the, the MIP stock holders for Bull Bull. Honestly, I know a lot of people basically just was like, nuggets were right to get rid of him. Like he's not like up to par with NBA players, but I think in a, in an environment where there was no expectations of him, that was like the perfect storm. Yeah, the Nuggets. Together. Yeah, the Nuggets were not the right spot for him. So that's the team no, that's trying to win. You're playing behind Jokic, like, yeah. dude. Yeah, it was, I like the swing. They picked him like 42nd or something, but yeah, it just wasn't gonna fit with their timeline. I don't remember even like what they got for him, but yeah, it made sense when they move off. And like a team, a team like the Magic makes perfect sense for a ball right now. But. Yeah, ultimately, it's uh, it's Lori's award. Let's get to uh, six man. I think there's a lot of candidates here. There's two that jump out in my mind, but I'll let you go first with your ballot. I think there's two guys and then a bunch of candidates, but I'm curious to see what you have. Oh, well, 
I'll uh do, do, do your candidates happen to play for the uh Boston Celtics? One of them does. One because of them does. Malcolm Brogdon, I think, is definitively the sixth man of the year candidate right now. Mm. I think he's got not not locked up, but I think like the dude has been so remember when they got Brogdon and everybody was like, this is exactly what they needed. It's because yes. this is exactly what they <laughs> right, correct. We he's, were all right. He's 15, four and something else. Like he's got like, and super efficient. Yeah, I think damn near 50, do, 49. Do not, close. do not quote me on this, but this is the most efficient shooting season of his career. And he's shooting the highest from like percentage from three in his entire career. Mm-hmm. He's leading the league in three point percentage right now. Like yeah, 46 and a half, right? Yeah. 47, 46. Yeah. Anyways, I think Brogdon has it hook, line, and sinker. I think it's like his award right now. You might as well call it the Malcolm Brogdon Award. Mm. I think low-key, there's uh, – well, there's a couple guys, but I'd say Maxie's up there just because he's now – I know he's technically not yeah, has a he, man. Has he played a, enough games off the bench? I wasn't He's been a sure. pseudo starter, yeah. like whatever. Norman Powell. Yeah. I think Norman Powell's a good name up there. Yeah, those, uh, are, gonna, those are my two. I'm going to be a homer and say Christian Wood because, uh, you know, he's been my fantasy ride or die. <laughs> um, I don't know if you want to count it. Russ has, like, been good off the bench, but, like, who cares? Yeah, um, I also – I feel like getting traded kind of, like, excludes yeah, you. Yeah, excludes you. Um, Matherin, if you want to, like – Yeah, Matherin, yeah. If you want to talk about it like that, um, other guys in that area, like Bobby Portis. But yes, also- sir. I was waiting on that. I was waiting yeah. on the Bobby Portis mention. Bobby yeah, Portis. He's been I've- out, but – I think Jordan Poole started too many games at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um one more I mean, name there, on my ballot you haven't named. There, it's not Malik, is it? It is Malik. Uh, it is Malik Monk. You know yeah. what? God, Malik I'm Monk so predictable, been, man. Malik Monk has been like a flamethrower for the Kings, but I'm not sure. Like, yeah, he's probably up there. He's probably in that top five area, I'd say. Yeah, I, I have him. I have him number six. Number six, yeah, I probably have him up there. I was honestly more surprised people don't have. Um, I mean, I kind of want to give K Love his flowers, but like kind of don't at the same time. No, I mean he fell but out was, of the rotation. Like he literally got bought out because he was. Yeah, but I was surprised more people didn't have uh, Depot for a little bit because like Victor was playing pretty decent. He's been quietly good, yeah. Um, not a lot of not a lot of attention on the Heat right now. No, yeah, I mean nobody really cares, and I I understand why they wouldn't, but. Yeah, it's like yeah, I I think I think good. Brogdon has it. It's like kind of locked up in that instance where he's just been like definitively the best sixth man in the league. Yeah, right now. my only counter to that, because I have him second, is that historically six man is like the highest points per game off the bench award, and that would be Norman Powell if I'm not mistaken. He's putting up like 17 and change. Yeah, yeah, I know so, historically speaking, but like Boston's like just he. I yeah, don't it, like like everything Brogdon does is perfect for Boston, and that should solidify what your sixth man is is mm-hmm. who is the best man off your bench. I know Powell's score, but his Powell's usage also is basically starter usage. Like he, yeah, right, right. His his, his like versus what Brogdon brings to the table. I don't know. Yeah, Brogdon definitely does fit like the the actual title of what like a six man should be. I feel like he's the best, the most talented player who comes off of the bench, um, but. I feel like Powell has a slight edge because of the points per game. So it's definitely those two for me, though. Like all the other names we mentioned, I think are worthy candidates, but it's between those wayside. two. It's it, it's yeah. up to it's up to what the voters ultimately just decide because Brogdon, I think, has been the better player, but Powell has like the I guess like the historical case going for him. So it's between those two for me. Um, but yeah, Christian Wood, Bobby Portis, 
Matherin, Malik Monk, those are guys I considered as well. I wish, oh man, Bobby Portis. I wish he had played more because I would like, I would love to make like this strong case for him because I love Bobby Portis, man. He's been really good for the Bucks, but I think he's missed too many games probably. We'll he has, and like, there's also time sometimes where he's a pseudo starter. So yeah, it's like, right. I don't know what you like. Well, you only he, have to, I mean, to be eligible for the award, you only have to, you have to come off the bench in more games than you do start. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think he would be, he's eligible, but. Yeah, I don't know if I don't just don't know if he has enough games played. But I think I think between Powell and Brogdon, like those are those are the two strong candidates. I probably would have to say that those would be the only two that I would really like. I, as much as I like Christian Wood, I know he doesn't really actually have a shot at winning that award. Plus, now that he starts, it's like eh. Yeah, he's been going back and forth now. Who knows how many starts he'll end up with? But yeah, Powell and Brogdon for me. You think we can do uh Coach of the Year in, in five minutes here, a quick break. Oh, yeah. I think Coach of the Year is a pretty cut and dry. Who you got for Coach of the Year? I'll say Mike Brown. <clears throat> yes, sir. That's what I got as well. I think that's the easy pick for sure. I mean, this is the, this tends to be the, like, which team improved the most or, like, exceeded expectations the most award. Yeah, I, that coach. I think this award is more like, like, you're right. It's it's more like what what weird criteria do people put on a team – before the season starts. Yeah. And then if they win more than that, people will be like, Oh, like, I honestly think Michael, Mike Malone had a good bid to it. It's just Mm. the Kings have made such a jump that it's like, what do you even like? I get it. Player, player progression has a lot of part to it and cohesion, but like Mike Brown, I think has really gotten this squad together. Cause like, like remember when we ran the, like the Jaden Ivy hypothetical, like if he was there instead of Keegan, yeah, wouldn't be the same team at all because Mike Brown has made Keegan such an integral part of the team. Um, I mean, like, I've seen people talk about Jenkins, and I'm like, no, no, I'm not no, I'm because not about it. no, because like you look at the way the team has fallen off, and like the way that they play, like such a young team. Like, I get it is a young team ultimately, but like, no, the way they the way that they play, like, you know, they should be better. And I feel like Jenkins is a good coach, but yeah, and no. like I would, I would, I would like curveball and say Will Hardy if the Jazz weren't just overperforming mm-hmm. and like being good. On their like, like if marketing didn't have like such a ridiculous explosion, yeah. and they have like this kind of like immersive experience of being like a good fringe team, I think Hardy like should get credit, but I know it's not like a coaching change that has made them the team yeah. that they are. Yeah, he deserves credit, and I think he might even get some votes, but he doesn't have the stronger case than Mike Brown. It is Mike Brown for me, and then I considered like Missoula and Jacques Vaughn, given like the turmoil that they were put in for their situations, but. Yeah, I still don't know that that's a stronger case than than Mike Brown, and then I feel like Ty Lue as well. Ty Lue, like in a similar light, like all the different lineups he's had to manage, and yet the Clippers are still the four seed in the West right now. But yeah, I I like Brown. Mike Brown feels like the easy answer here for sure. I like how honest Vaughn is with being like, "Yeah, Ben is no longer in my rotation," just like straight out, and I was like, "Interesting." I like that. I mean, he broke it down in plain terms. He's like, "You put him out there with a center, you know, what's the spacing look like?" You, know, you put him out there as the five. What's the rebounding look like? You know, it's just tough. Or however he put it, that's brutal, man. That's brutal for the coach. Come to on, have to, to have your coach tell you as a player that makes thirty four million dollars this year to be like, we can't it, play. It, him. It, it, it's tough to play you with any position that you're comfortable in because you immediately take away from everybody else on the floor. Like yeah, that's, that's tough. That is a. I I think those awards are all like 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 everything that we've gone over is kind of like like you can make a case 
but it's not like a huge debate. Like it's either like it, it's it's pretty much. Yeah, a there's, a, there's a pretty clear answer for each of the awards. Like Jokic probably should win the MVP. You can maybe make a case for some other guys. It's probably between Jaron and Brook Lopez for Defense Player of the Year. Paolo's basically got Rookie of the Year. Lowry's got MIP, and I think it's Paolo Brogdon for Six Man. Yeah, I'd like to see Brogdon win it just because it'd be like a feel good thing. But you know, I think again, like it probably just comes down to two candidates for each one, and then a runaway kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, we'll see who gets third type of deal. Yeah, so I think that that probably wraps up for this one. We got to all six awards, and uh, got to as usual a bunch of other tangents. Got to talk about some other <laughs> things. The only thing we didn't get to, um, we don't really have time for it. But the Hawks did, in fact. Lock in Quinn Snyder. They on five Snyder. Year deal. There we go. With five years. My God. Including this season. So it'll be this season and four more. But right, yeah, we'll see on. how that goes. I'm sure next podcast we'll probably talk about that one and see what changes maybe he makes. But that will do it for this episode. Mitch, as always, thank you so much for coming on. Couldn't do it without your brother. Make sure you go oh, give wow. him a follow on Instagram at Hoops Dissection. And that'll do it for this episode. We'll be back soon. <laughs>